As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, the show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up on this episode, Blues take care of business in the London derby in the WSL. The Premier League returns. We round up who did what in this week's international fixtures. Say thanks and good luck to a couple of Chelsea stalwarts and do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. we are then gang it's thursday which means it's take two for the week of soc it's me matt davis adams joined today by the athletics dominic fifield hi dom hey matt how you doing i am fairly well thanks sam parkins back with us too you've had a busy week sam how you doing yeah doing well thanks matt good to see you Hmm. Well, I thought before we get into the meat of today's show, we'd have a word for Ramirez and John Obi Mikel, both of whom have announced their retirement this week. Ramirez played for Chelsea for nearly six years, won the lot and scored that goal in Camp Now in 2012. Chelsea only need one and then they're through. How about that? There's a, there's a, there's a positive thing to say. Here's a chance. And they might get one. No flag against Ramirez. Oh, what a goal. Where's he pulled that from? Brazilian magic from Ramirez. It's game on again. Absolutely brilliant. Suspended for the final, though, of course. Dom, other Ramirez memories? The goal in the, the 2012 FA Cup final, maybe? The the relentless running? Am I am I being insulting to call him a, a beta version of Angolo Kante? <laughs> um, I think that's probably fair. I mean, look, he's he was a, almost a constant in that Chelsea midfield for quite a long period of time. And somebody maybe that we took a bit for granted on the pitch. I think the same could be argued about Mikel in, in some ways. Um, but yeah, Ramirez, all, all action, all energy, no little quality in there as well. Um, and possibly didn't get the the send-off he deserved because he sort of slipped out the out the club in January mid-season and it was that season as well uh, where literally everything was going wrong. And Gus Hiddink was sort of there to, to basically haul the club away from the team away from relegation more than anything else. But a fantastic player. I mean, yeah, and, and the mind goes back to, always goes back to Barcelona because, I mean, just seeing that clip again, you forget how good the finish was. It was absolutely glorious and not, and, and at a critical time in the game as well and, and the tie. Um, so to do that under so much pressure 
was was a sign of his his quality and his caliber. Uh, as for Mikel, so good they said his full name in, in dozens of different iterations. Uh, was a blue for over a decade, won the lot, most of it numerous times, specifically four FA Cups, two Premier Leagues, one Champions League, one Europa League, two League Cups and the Community Shield. He played 372 games for Chelsea. Sam, I feel like he's one of those who, who's only, like Ramirez, as, as Dom said, only really appreciated after he left because he wasn't a headline-grabbing player. He didn't score many goals, but but he was he was a really important part of that Chelsea team for a very long time. He was, and a bit of a slow burner as well, I think. He came with such a reputation, obviously a bit of a boy wonder, and you kind of left scratching your head after the first few years thinking, what was all this about? But I think he learned to really understand that position. I think that's the biggest compliment you can give him. He was a bit maybe slow, maybe a bit safe with his his passing in the early years. But he learned how to move the ball a bit quicker and be a great shield. And fielding and did a really good job at centre-half a few few occasions as well when the likes of JT was was missing on occasion. So now he became really important and played a good amount of games in the in the years that they, they they won the Premier League. So someone who took a number of games and a number of years probably to win the majority of the supporters over. But once he did that, yeah, um, he he left. I think you know a bit of a fan favourite as Ramirez did. Who I think he got thirty four goals all competitions. Ramirez, which is seems incredible for someone who you felt did his best work in the middle, shielding. Hard work, but he had that knack of getting forward either from the right or from from the centre and getting important goals. That Manchester City goal sticks out to me. One minute gone and he added four. Ramirez. Oh, brilliantly done, Ramirez. Oh, he's dancing through. This will be an amazing goal. Unbelievable. Whoa, you can't believe what you've just seen. Ramirez, he's a Brazilian after all. What a goal. Game over. Uh, slalom him uh, run at the uh, the Matthew Harden end, brilliant finish as well. Kind of on par, probably in terms of quality with the with the Barcelona one. Yeah, that was Chelsea's goal of the season. I think it was 2011 uh, he scored that. Well, congratulations to both on storied careers and uh, good luck in retirement. Right, next today, we'll have a look at Wednesday night's WSL action. Comes the corner towards Bright and it is in this time. Millie Bright with her first WSL goal in two years. Makes it 3-1 to Chelsea. In the end, hit the post twice, missed the penalties. I felt the scoreline should have been a little bit bigger. But for me, this is so early on in the season. I just want to see the things that we're working on. I, I felt that was the case. Chelsea 3, West Ham 1 then in the WSL at Kings Meadow on Wednesday night. Our own Jesse Parker-Humphreys was there and they sent us this report mere moments after the whistle peaked for the final time. All over uh, Kings Meadows, Chelsea finished 3-1 winners over West Ham. Uh, went behind in the second minute to uh, unmark Dagny Brunestotir from a corner. Um, and it felt like it could have been another one of those matches for Chelsea in the WSL this season. But to the time to get the equaliser, Frank Herbie firing in from a corner. And really from then on, Chelsea kind of had control of the game. Um, two more goals in the second half, both also from corners. Sam Kerr and Millie Bright getting on the score sheet. Lauren James missed a penalty late on, but it didn't really matter. West Ham barely threatened at all after scoring early on. And I hate stuck with the same shape she'd used against 
Manchester City, um, but with Yves Perisay coming in at right back and Katarina Svitkova used at right wing, not really sure the right wing position, totally suited Svitkova, um, definitely not where you'd normally put her naturally, uh, but all of Chelsea's summer signings ended up with minutes uh, as Kanarid and Kankovic came on late in the game, Buchanan obviously starting again. Um, so Chelsea go into the international break, joint top of the WSL with six points, albeit having played a game more than Arsenal, Manchester United and Aston Villa. Emma Hayes now has a couple of weeks to figure out from all her chopping and changing over those first three games what exactly is the right starting eleven for her. Lovely stuff, Jesse. Uh, Sam, how does your namesake uh, feel after nearly scoring a couple of worldies? She had a really frustrating start to the season and then eventually, when one does go and it's the scruffiest goal you'll ever see. Fans of cliches, please, I think, because it showed that that actually does come to pass sometimes but do you not want to just have a 25 yard rocket to open your account for the season you know that I, I don't go down that route Matt you know, I like to score a beautiful goal or a team goal or a well taken header to get me up and running I don't conform to the one going in off the backside, or a penalty for that matter not that I was any good at, at, at the latter but um, I don't know I think when you get to six or seven games if that's Sam Kerr's only goal which I would highly I would feel that's probably not going to happen, the amount of chances they get, then I would be concerned. But, you know, she peppered the target last night from some ridiculous angles, some amazing shots from from distance. She had a brilliant goal disallowed at Liverpool, if memory serves me right. So I don't think she's uh, she's toiling particularly. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, she won't be best pleased with her start to the season. But ask me again in three or four games' time if there's a, a, a bit of a an issue there. But... For now, she's getting the opportunities. She's hitting the target invariably and um, she's got one in three. No crisis. Something very comforting about uh, Chelsea score sheet reading Kirby Kerr and Bright too. Uh, the players wore black armbands during the game and a minute's silence was held ahead of kickoff in memory of David McKnight, one of the ground staff for Chelsea, who sadly passed away earlier this week, having been taken ill at the game on Sunday. Uh, there is no game for the women's team this weekend. They aren't involved in the League Cup fixtures taking place. Because they're in the Champions League, they get a bye past the group stage of the League Cup and go straight into the quarterfinals. There's an international break to follow that, so they're not back in action until the 16th of October. OK, next today, we'll round up the international blues news. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Plenty of Chelsea involvement in the midweek international action, as you would expect. Amongst the headlines on Tuesday, England and Germany drew 3-3 at Wembley. Raheem Sterling and Rhys James started. Mason Mount crashed in an equaliser off the bench to make it 2-2. But it was Kai Havertz who had the last laugh, scoring twice, including the final goal of the game to level things up. Uh, Dom, are you of the opinion that that will do Mason Mount some good? Or has he just played too much football in the last few years and he could do with a bit of a rest? I thought the the cameo looked like a, a player that was chomping at the bit, right? Basically, to to almost restore momentum in his career. I mean, that's probably a bit melodramatic, but 
it just feels if he just he just needs to remind himself how good he is and and doing that and coming onto the pitch in such a in that situation um you know when the crowd were on the verge of turning as well and 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 really making such an impact um well, I think that would just do him the world of good to be honest as a with my palace hat on I was fairly dismayed to see both he and and Kai Havertz um doing so well because it I think they'll carry that form with, with them back to their clubs and and uh, and demonstrate just how good they are in the weeks ahead. Sam what about Kai Havertz looks like a different player when he plays for for Germany I'm sure Graham Potter's working out how he can get more out of him but but he needs to step up too right? Definitely and brilliant goal obviously the first one but equally as important probably getting a little tap in as well and maybe having that that confidence that um yeah, that movement, that speed of thought maybe to just position himself to get the second one. So that was excellent. I did have a wry smile. I hope you two did as well when uh, Werner went through on his left foot, just thinking this is <laughs> never, ever going to end up in the far corner. <laughs> and when it was dragged a couple of yards wide, I just like, yeah, you just knew it, didn't you? But yeah, on the, the Havertz front, yeah, great. You forget that he's very recently in terms of fixtures got that, that winning goal uh, against West Ham. So he should be feeling... Like we just touched on with Sam Kerr, not converting the chances. Havertz is in decent goal-scoring nick now. And if we're led to believe he's going to be a big part of this strike force, uh, maybe paired with Aubameyang again, if it's going to be a similar lineup to Potter's first game, then he should be in fine fettle. Um, so looking forward to how he does and would expect him to start. Uh, Jorginho should come back Boyd as well. He helped Italy to victory away to Hungary. It saw them top their Nations League group ahead of Germany, England and the Hungarians, meaning they qualify for the finals. Uh, then on Wednesday, Conor Gallagher. Remember him? He scored for England's under-21s, assisted by Anthony Gordon, nonetheless. That was at Bramall Lane. England <laughs> beat Germany 3-1. Levi Colwell also started that one. Uh, <laughs> Dom, you're going to love this. I'm going to ask Sam about Armando Breuer uh, because... <laughs> Sam's been on Breuer watch. He's done the uh, the two games between Albania and Iceland. Um, Sam, he didn't play much in the second one, but you were impressed with, with what he did in the uh, in the first meeting. Yeah, he did really well. Um, they're quite a controlled, nice, easy on the eye side, Albania. Got a lot of players playing in, in Syria, ass, so they've got real quality. What they don't have is much pace or much thrust that can go beyond the, the opponent's back line. So... Broya obviously provides that and he created, you know, a couple of chances from absolutely nothing, which is him to a T, you know, a kind of fight ball somewhere in the opponent's half that he wins because he's physically strong and then he can go beyond people with his, his pace and his directness. And he got into two really good shooting positions, but just fluffed his lines, I think both on his weaker left side. So you could tell from his demeanour, he was really frustrated that he didn't score, but it was a game where they're playing against Israel, who are a pretty decent side as well. I'll play some nice stuff. Got some some very good forward players. So um, his threat was was pivotal, really, for, for, for Albania throughout. And you always felt that him on the counter-attack was uh, going to be a threat. So, yeah, I th he can be really pleased. Again, with that, with that performance, the second game, he only came on for 10 minutes, maybe, uh, 15 minutes against Iceland. They were playing against 10 men, but he couldn't get the elusive second goal and they actually got pegged back to lose two points. Um, so, yeah, not great in the in, in the second game, but the first game showed lots and lots to like. 
Uh, elsewhere, Thiago Silva played the full 90s Brazil thrash 10-man Tunisia 5-1 in Paris. That was Silva's 109th cap, sadly overshadowed by the racist abuse suffered uh, by Richarlison in that game. Christian Pulisic captain the USA. They drew 0-0 with Saudi Arabia in Spain. They're not having a very good time of it. Kaladu Koulibaly also did the 90s. Senegal drew 1-0 with Austria as the theme of games in random destinations continued. Uh, Hakim Ziyech made his return for Morocco. They drew with Paraguay. Any guesses as to where this one was played, Dom? Amsterdam. Close. Sam? I say close, not that close. Um, it's a bit early for the quiz. Um, Bremen. <laughs> Bremen, love that. It was Seville, uh, obviously. Where else would you play Morocco versus Paraguay? Uh, finally, Wesley <laughs> Fofana played for France's under-21s. They drew 2-2 with Belgium. Seems weird to me, Dom, that you'd have a, what, near £80 million defender playing for the under-21s when France had, what, 14, 15 players out injured in this squad and, and don't seem to be able to, to buy a good result at the moment? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, they. I was looking at the the, the centre halves they have at their disposal. I mean, remember Jules Kunde? He was quite. He was, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they've they've got Kunde. He went off injured after the Austria game, I think, or, or certainly picked up a, a problem over the course of the international break. Um, Varane, who started against Austria and was imperious, um, and will definitely be the centre of their three man defence at the World Cup, fitness permitting. Saliba's become a bit of a, a fixture of late, so and he's obviously playing well at, at Arsenal, albeit he did have a shaky evening, as as they all did in, in Copenhagen against Denmark. Um, Upa Meccano and Badiashili were both playing in that fixture as well, and they're, they're both considered ahead of Fafana in the pecking order. And you probably could put Ibrahima Kanate in there as well once he gets back playing for, for Liverpool. So there is a there's actually an area where they're pretty well stocked, um, albeit they don't have experienced players in that position. Uh, and, and that will, over time, probably, if if he continues to be selected for the 21s, when he's he aspires to reach the World Cup, I mean, that's Fafana made that clear in his interviews at the end of last season, at the beginning of this, that he, he, he wants to reach Qatar. Um, if, if, if it doesn't happen... The Ivory Coast links and their attempts to to get him to switch nationality and play for them, maybe maybe that gathers pace um, come the end of the year. So it'd be interesting to see where we stand in March time when when international football resumes. I I I can't see Fafana making it, given that all those other guys are are blooded at that level by Deschamps, and and he clearly has them ahead of Fafana in the pecking order. Well, that'd be disappointing for him, but I bet Graham Potter would not be too bothered if uh, Vafana's not going to be going to the World Cup, given that so many of his other players are. Uh, well, those Chelsea boys who've been around the world are back at Cobham now, gearing up for the return of the Premier League on Saturday. We'll look ahead to that after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Back to business for the Blues this Saturday then as Graham Potter takes charge of a Chelsea Premier League game for the first time with the Blues heading for Selhurst Park to take on Crystal Palace in the Dom Derby. Chelsea seventh, already eight points behind leaders Arsenal. That's Arsenal. (laughs) Uh, Sam, this is a crucial game therefore, but it also feels like the start of the season again for Chelsea. You know, it's been so long since we've had a game. The new manager's in place. As I mentioned, this is his first Premier League match. It feels like this is where the campaign really gets going now. It does. Um, difficult to predict, you know, what he's going to do, what the team's going to look like. I suppose we got a little indication from the Salzburg game, you know, with Raheem Sterling's position, the, the tempo with the ball, but we're still waiting to find out. So it's going to be very, very... Well, it'd be wrong to judge him after his first handful of games, but it's going to be a tough, tough period with so many games to come. He'll have to be going into this game thinking about the Milan game uh, in terms of his selection. So if I was a Chelsea first team player and I didn't start this one, I wouldn't be too deterred because there's a massive game around the corner where they kind of need to win, don't they, against Milan. Uh, Certainly need to take four points from those two games, I would suggest, against Milan. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do and because I had very little to do this morning, I just had a little brief look over the last uh, few Graham Potter v Crystal Palace games. And Dom can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think Palace have had a bit of a problem with with Graham Potter in in the past. Um, there was a couple of games in particular. I think the draw at Sellers, they were good value for. Dom, come in here and correct me if I'm if I'm talking out of my backside. But the, the game at um, Brighton, I think they had, 20 shots to one, 19 shots to, to three or something. Um, the game that Gallagher scored mm. in the previous season under Hodgson. Sorry, that was the game. 20 shots to, to one and complete domination of the ball. I think I was at that one at Sellers Park. So I think Palace have been quite fortunate to get a couple of points off of Brighton maybe during these games. All I would say is that if you look at all those results, Palace never lost any of those matches. They didn't lose any game against <laughs> yeah. Potter. In fact, they yeah. won at the Amex with, they had two touches in the opponent's box and they scored two goals, 1-2-1. One, one. The previous year, you know, with supporters in the stadium, it would have been early 2020, they won 1-0 with a Jordan Ayew goal. You're right, they, yeah, this this is Graham Potter. Graham Potter against Crystal Palace is is Brighton against Palace. In, in it will, It's Brighton's problems all all illustrated their qualities as well they monopolize the ball they dominate they 70 odd possession loads of shots don't score any goals don't win matches sounds familiar mm. that's the record the other thing i was thinking dom you know thinking back to the semi-final last year where he played the back mm. three which i know he's done this season against liverpool and manchester city but doesn't do it sellers park um and i don't think under Vieira he's played a back five at all at sellers park so is that something you expect to continue you know, you know what? I really hope he doesn't because it's completely unconvincing. Yeah. I thought it was a lack of ambition yeah, in that semi-final. Absolutely. And I remember listening to a few Palace podcasts around that time. I think I was covering a couple of Palace games. And I'm not sure they that they, they had the same thought process as me. I thought the way Palace were going under Vieira, they should have gone at Chelsea that day. And I thought it was a missed opportunity. And obviously in, in every game last season. Chelsea ran out quite comfortable winners, so they have to have a go a go at Chelsea, especially the, with a new manager. The problem in the semi-final was that the Palace player that they were building their team around was ineligible because he was a Chelsea player, so no Conor Gallagher, no party. Yeah. The dalliances with three at the back, and I'm sure it's got to be a 
attempting one for him. I mean, he may well look to do it, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I, my instinct is that this is a massive mistake, a massive mistake, because Palace under Vieira um, have impressed when they've had a go at teams, and they've only, and this season, they've played in fits and starts, but their their best performance was undoubtedly against Aston Villa, where they just tore at them. They they tore at them, and and they they created numerous opportunities. Only took a few of them. They have the same problems up top that that Chelsea and Brighton have. So I mean, this could be this could be the most profligate game on the planet this weekend potentially. But without that, when they go tentative, when they play three at the back, they they still haven't worked out. I don't think they've got the players to do it. To be honest, they don't, they don't have the the wing backs that Chelsea have um, to make that system work. Um, Tyrant Mitchell is learning his trade on the left, and neither Nat Klein nor Joel Ward are natural, you know, forward-thinking, attacking, stretching the play wingbacks. They're not going to camp in opposition territory. But when they play four-three-three, they 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 create chances. When you when you let a, a Michael Elise off the the leash or allow Eberichieze to play out as an eight in in midfield, and you have Wilfred Zaha offering some kind of threat up top. That combination works, and it's 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 great fun to watch. But whenever he comes up against an elite team of late, he's sort of shrunk back in, and 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 caution has taken over, and and it's become a bit of a a scrap. And look, they, it's worked. It, it problem probably the fact that they got a point at Liverpool when they might have actually won that game, albeit against ten men at the start of the season. Maybe that's actually worked in Palace's to Palace's detriment because if they've been absolutely battered and hammered in, in terms of the, the result at Anfield, maybe he wouldn't be still looking at three at the back. But, you know, he tried it again at Manchester City. Um, they were 2-0 up at half-time and then got overwhelmed second half. It's He tried it, I think, at Newcastle as well. It's it's it, it, You want, him, want Palace to play to their strengths, and, and I'm not sure that isn't. Uh, let's hope they don't on Saturday. We'll bring it back to Chelsea. This is the, Sorry, yeah, uh, I've got to remember which one, which which <laughs> podcast I'm on here. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. The first of nine games for Chelsea in October. Sam, you mentioned about the um, the decisions in terms of selection. Let's take a look at a couple of individuals. We'll go front to back uh, because Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has had a couple of weeks to, to settle in to life at Chelsea now. Basically, does he just need to have more than seven touches at Selhurst Park to um, to wash away the memories of what Romelu Lukaku did there last season? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking back to Gabby Agbonlahor, who Gary Neville, I think, hung out to dry <laughs> once for having three touches in the half, two of them being kickoffs. Um, sorry, he did much better than that, Romelu. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's not someone I expect to be having loads of the ball, you know, even in a game which you'd expect Chelsea to be very dominant or, you know, Palace have more of the ball now than they did under Hodgson, but still, you know what I'm saying. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not a, a tough one to to beat, but yeah, I think he has to put his, his trust in him. Be interesting to see if it's him and Havertz again with with Sterling wide off the, the, the left-hand side. And we'll see if he can be the the answer to Chelsea's goal scoring problems because of eight goals in six games in comparison to the the top three right now. Well, it's it's under half, isn't it? The the goals that Arsenal, Tottenham, and um, and City have been able to get so far. So that's what Graham Potter has to do, and we know that you know from the conversation we've already had today, the creativity not always been the issue. The the the, the passing and movement is very good in general. Need to get someone to start getting the goal. So. 
hopefully it's Aubameyang. I, I believe it can be. I think he's still young enough. I think he's probably still hungry enough, despite um, losing his mate as the manager. Um, hopefully under the new one, he can still do the business. And what about in midfield, Dom? Angola Conte back in training. The temptation is to say, wow, that's a huge boost. But as ever, it comes with the caveat of keeping him fit. Do you think Potter's going to build his midfield around him? Or, or is that not something that one should do these days, given um, his, his lack of availability on a consistent basis? I think instinctively you'd want to, given the, the quality that he offers you. But I think you have to be selective with the games that you've got coming up, and and just this this real rush of matches um, when you've got critical ties home and away against Milan in the in the, the next few weeks. Uh, you've got you've got big fixtures on paper at least against you know Manchester United. You got a tricky one at Brighton. You've got there are there are occasions in the weeks ahead where, where he will be reliant upon N'Golo Kante's energy and uh, of old in midfield. And we, we have to, we have to remember that the only time Chelsea have really clicked into gear properly this season was when Kante was playing well at, against Spurs. That, that was, that was the match that, that set the, the, the bar of where Chelsea want to be performance wise. And without him, they've too often, they've, they've looked sluggish and, and off it. So, it's it's a, it's a really difficult balance and one that the sports scientists and the medics at, at Chelsea will be monitoring to make sure there aren't any doesn't venture into it, any more of those red zones again because without him they're so much they're so much weaker actually in reality that they, they they lack the zest to to really take teams apart too often so uh, you know it's 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 real selective as to to when he uses him over the weeks ahead yeah, and maybe uh, things will change now that Chelsea have had a big clear out behind the scenes in terms of the medical department as well. Be interesting to see what impact, if any, that has. Uh, Simon, our friend, has written a piece on Trevor Chalibur. We've been talking about him a lot over the last couple of shows. He was the star of the meeting between these sides at the bridge last season. Dom, do you think he's casting envious glances at, at Mark Gurhey? Because Gurhey plays every week and, and Chalibur's played once this season. I suppose... Yeah, look, he'll he'll be desperate to play regularly, and he'll be slightly perplexed, I imagine, as to as to why his his starting to fade so much over the course of last season after after a bright start. But then he is still at Chelsea; he's still competing at the highest level in in the in the best club competition. So that's a bit of a sweetener. He will have the confidence in his own ability to to make, to make his mark in in that defence and. I think he actually didn't he fill in at defensive midfield in the in the game they played against Brighton behind closed doors as well. So I mean he's he's the adaptability will probably work in his favour as well. Um, so it's it's again it's about balance. It's about you know what your long term ambitions are. Can you fulfil them? Do you believe that you can get into the Chelsea team? I, I suspect he probably thinks he can now, especially with a new manager in charge. Athletic.com slash Chelsea Pod the place to go to sign up if you want a subscriber and you want to read that piece. From Simon. Last one on this then, Sam. Who are you picking in goal? Edward Mendy only just back in training, we're told. Are you, are you sticking with Kepa or are you putting Mendy straight back in? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know is the honest answer. Um, is it, Was there criticism about Kepa for the goal against Salzburg? A little bit, but there's always criticism of Kepa. A little. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably give him another game. I, I probably would. Yeah, that would be my... That would my my inkling, especially if Mendy's been struggling a little bit with a with an injury. I think that the back three is going to be fascinating. Um, 
midfield as well, like Dom just spoke of. I thought, you know, the shape of the team against Salzburg, that's if, if he wants to have a three-man midfield and you can get Sterling on the left-hand side, I think that solves a few problems. And potentially you can play Mount and, and Gallagher as two number eights, which would be their preferred position. So I can understand the thinking, you know, looking back at that side. I can understand why why he did that. And it just feels to me like Gallagher might get a little bit of a run. Sorry, I've gone off piste here. But yeah, I just feel like Gallagher might be someone that Graham Potter just puts a bit of trust in and can get the best out of. Um, but yeah, maybe Kepa for this game. Um, the back three, not so sure. You would think Kukurea's got a great opportunity to start. I don't think he's been playing during the international break. So um, yeah, I'd expect Graham Potter to put his faith in him, but maybe Kepa in the sticks for this one as well. Yeah, Kukurea has been seeing the sights of London if you've checked out his uh, his social media. I guess with, with the goalkeeper thing, Dom, it's quite easy, isn't it, for, for Graham Potter to stick with Kepa because he can say, well, Mendy's not quite fit. And then if Kepa chucks one in, you just put Mendy in against Daisy Milan and say that was always the plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's very... I mean, it's Even at this stage, he in, and after um, three or four weeks in, in the job, he's, he's still not had very many players around to to look at and to work with really realistically so you know having having at least seen Kepper in a team there might be reason enough to sit with him as well and 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 with Mendy just just building up that fitness again again with we have to bear in mind the the games that are coming up the fixture schedule between now and the world cup is pretty hellish so they're all going to get games, I would have thought. Um, it's just a matter of hoping that you strike her on, upon the, the right balance for each one. Well, we'll have the lowdown on Saturday's game when we reconvene on Monday. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, the academy sides return to action this weekend. The under-21s host their counterparts from Leicester at noon on Saturday at Kings Meadow. They're looking to extend their unbeaten run in the league to four games. Whilst the under-18s also have a Dom Derby. They visit Palace Saturday, 11am. Is the kickoff for that one. All right, it's time to quiz. <laughs> so... It is Crystal Palace versus Chelsea this weekend. Only natural, therefore, that the questions this week are based on the careers of John Obi Mikel and Ramirez, um, because it wouldn't be very fair <laughs> to do a Crystal Palace one when um, one of our panellists knows a lot about Crystal Palace. Uh, so here we go. Dom, here's your first question. Um, it occurs to me, producer Lucy, that I don't have a pen to hand, so you're going to have to keep score for this. Um, where did Chelsea sign Ramirez from? Oh... It was a Portuguese club, wasn't it? Not uh... he's got it. He's just stalling. No, it's which one? It's Benfica. Benfica is correct. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have given Sam that clue if you didn't know it. Um, see through that, to be honest. Uh, Sam, here's your first question. In 2013, Ramirez scored in a 2-0 League Cup win at your old club, Swindon. During that game, another Chelsea midfielder suffered a severe knee injury, which meant he never played for the Blues again. Name that Crocs midfielder. Oh, I know it. I bet you were there, weren't you? I wasn't. De Bruyne got the other goal, didn't he? No, De Bruyne got subbed and was Torres slaughtered by... Uh, he was slaughtered by Mourinho post-match. Um. Oh my God! I know it. Just say it then, if you know. Do you it. know it, Dom? I, I I know who it is. I, I just can't remember his name. As in, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's 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 the Dutch yeah, fella, isn't it? It's the fella who went to PSV. All Lovely came politician's yeah. logic there, Dom. I know who it is. I just don't <laughs> no, know, his that's name. know his name. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm very good on uh, on emergency budgets as well. If you want to say. Um, I'm not going to get it, am I? Uh, oh, I want to no, say I want to say him. I've. Oh, that's just the throwaway. Yeah, it's um, it's Van Ginkle. Well done. Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, you, you, what you is know it? his first name Van out of interest. Yeah. I was going to say Lucas Piazon, so I'll just give me Van Ginkle. Yeah, Marco okay. Van Ginkle, wasn't it? Yeah, Marco's oh. name was. Horrible. Rubbish pitch did for him. Uh, okay, second question for you. Carpet Dom. there, mate. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> carpet. I'll tell Marcus next time I see him. Well, I was going to say, you've got to be a good player to score goals at the county ground. but um, maybe Hardest division as well, the third tier. I've always said it. <laughs> Dom, which two current championship sides did Mikel play for after leaving Chelsea? Middlesbrough and Stoke City. Oh, just like that. Easy as you like. Beautifully done. Sam, Ramirez was suspended for the 2012 Champions League final, along with which three other Chelsea players? Nah. A couple of very famous ones. JT. Yeah. Um... Very famous ones. That Czech was the very played, famous one, to be fair. Czech played, Ashley Cole played, Lampard played, Drogba played, yeah. Um, yeah. One was more famous for the way he received the news. Oh, Ivanovic? Yeah. Mm. The other one's tricky. Has he got anything to do with um, Ryan Bertrand playing? Nope. No. Nah. Do you know it, Don? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Don would have been there, though, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'd have been this half cut somewhere. Question, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'd have been half cut somewhere. <laughs> no idea. Darren Barnard. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even get that all right. Doing it. Um, I'm not going to give you the points for this because it's just one of them, but tell him who it was, Dom. Was it not? It was Real Marais, was it? It was, yeah. yeah. Um, the Portuguese, whose surname is pronounced in lots of different ways. Uh, here's your final question then, Dom. Ramirez scored four goals in the successful 2011-12 FA Cup campaign. Two against Pompey in the third round, one in the final. Which round and against whom did the other goal come? <laughs> this is your tough one, so don't feel bad if you don't get it. Okay. Um, so 11-12, that was Di Matteo as manager. Um Won it. Presumably, because they, they absolutely, I remember they they slaughtered Spurs, didn't they? So did he score one of one of them? I think they won like, it was a semi-final, wasn't it? It was, it was, a, it was a game at, that, that game was presumably Stop fishing at Wembley. for clues. Please. No, no, but it was a semi-final. <laughs> they beat them five, so five nil or five, something like that. And so it was probably there against Spurs, semi-final. Correct. It was the semi-final against Spurs. I think it was 5-1. Okay, so you, you've gone three for three, Dom. So you can't win, Sam, but this is your tap-in. So at least you'll add some respectability to the score. Uh, Mikel's last goal for Chelsea came away to PSG in the first leg of the last 16 Champions League tie in 2016. Which two players, who would later be signed by Chelsea, lined up for PSG that night? Silver. Correct. 2016. Yep. PSG. Oh, uh, David Luiz. Correct. I can't lose on not getting one suspended player. Big player though, Real Ramirez. That's unbelievable. 
I know, and after the great work you did with Van Hinkle as well, it's a shame. Yeah. But look, the standards are pretty high on this quiz. You, you were, you were fearful of drawing Dom again this week, and you know those fears have proved to be well founded. But if you keep stepping up like this, eventually you'll reach his level. Yeah. <laughs> what is going say... on? What are we? What are we? What is I basically, here? Want, I basically want to say I can't do any more. But then you'll just say you didn't get one of the answers, Dom, won't you? But I mean, that's an unbelievable victory. I've helped you, you out very by kind making it a Crystal Palace and Chelsea yeah, quiz. Yeah, I'd have taken know. that. David Hopkin. Who was the last Crystal Palace player to score against Chelsea? Uh, well, it must be Christian Benteke. Yeah, well done, he's got it. Matt's just, just nailed it immediately. Like that. They've only scored five times in the last ten matches between the teams. I mean, oh, I dread this fixture. Look, it's going to be a one-all draw on Saturday. We know that. Chelsea will take the lead, have loads of chances to get a second, not take them, and then Palace will equalise on 76 minutes through a Wilfred Zaha penalty. Uh, and that's what we'll be talking about on Monday. Before that, though, Dom, um, tell us what you're writing about for Athletic subscribers to enjoy. Um, there is a state of play with France piece um, that's going out. It seems to be doing an awful lot of French stuff and Pogba stuff of late. It's everything sort of en français at the moment. The... Um, and there's also I'm working with Phil Buckingham on a on a piece on Graham Potter's time at Hull City and of, of which sorry but Graham Potter's time at Hull University rather and uh, my section of that piece concerns his time as technical director bit of a grandiose title uh, of the Ghanaian women's team at the 2007 World Cup in China. Hmm. Looking forward to reading that. He's had an incredible career path, Graham Potter. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, elsewhere on The Athletic, Andy Naylor has profiled Potter's backroom staff. That's worth a look to athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up. If you aren't a subscriber, Sam, where will you be this weekend? Uh, on the telly Saturday, doing the Football League highlight show on ITV. Looking forward to that. Lovely. Should be good. Uh, many thanks for your company today, chaps, and to Lucy for putting this all together. We'll be back on Monday. We've got the Palace game to reflect on and that huge game against AC Milan at Stamford Bridge to come on Wednesday as well. Do join us for that if you can. For now, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic.